right, good evening and welcome to the December 13th, 2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board Meeting. Item Hello, can we, can we stop the conversations and start the meeting please? So please come and take a seat and participate in the meeting here. Thank you, appreciate it. Go ahead. Hey, good evening. Welcome to the December 13th, 2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board Meeting. Item number one, call to order. Director Sen? Here. Director Dunlop? Director Richardson? Out here. Director Breston? Here. Director Howard? Director Azim? Here. Director Reif? Present. We do have a quorum. Good. Um, let's see. So. Before we have general public comment, um, I, I'm so glad that we are here today. And what a difference um, it is now versus two years ago when we were here, more than two years ago when we were here at the Y. It's, it looks refreshed. Um, it's wonderful. We actually have heat. Last time we didn't have heat. There's a new kitchen. It's a wonderful space to be. And um, thank you, YMCA, for uh, letting us have our meeting here today. Um, and I'm so glad we're having our on-island meeting at the end of the year. I think this is a good tradition to continue um, because we can celebrate the holiday season, but we can also take note of the accomplishments and progress that we've made this year. And what a year 2023 has been for Treasure Island. It is easy to forget all the milestones that we have reached in these past two years. After so many years of planning and remediation and infrastructure, we are finally, finally beginning to see buildings and parks. So I am proud this year of the affordable housing that we built at Maceo May and tremendously excited about the parks that we have completed, the stormwater parks, the Sugimoto sculpture on the Hilltop Park, which is not yet open, but will be in a few, few months, the new causeway and assess, accessible pedestrian ramp to Clipper Cove. And let's also applaud the new ferry landing that's about a year and a half old now, the new freeway ramps, the new roads and underground utilities, the Vista Point near the Torpedo Building where you can fish, and the list goes on. So in the rush of the everyday, we sometimes forget to pause and reflect on the tremendous progress we have made on Treasure Island. And there's so much more we have to do to complete our vision of a wonderful, <clears throat> sustainable, equitable new neighborhood of San Francisco. In the next couple of years, we look forward to the completion of the Cityside Park, more market rate and affordable housing, more public art, more bike and pedestrian pathways and improvements along Clipper Cove. So we want to thank Bob Beck and our growing staff and Tida staff that are here. Please, please stand up, put up your hands. We we want, to, we want you to know that we on the board appreciate all the hard work that you do for us all year round. And we also want to give kudos to our private development partner, Treasure Island Community Development, 
who is building the roads and utility infrastructure and parks with Titus Oversight and Bond Financing, but they're truly uh, great partners. Is, uh, is there somebody from TICD here today? Yes. Thank you. And of course, we are grateful to our community partners, One Treasure Island and the YMCA, who provide so many services to the existing residents on the island. You are the glue that makes community on the island with so many of these services. And finally, I applaud my fellow directors on the TIDA board. They give hours of their time for various meetings without any compensation. But I know that they feel like I do, that it is an honor and a privilege to help shape the future of Treasure Island. We are in the midst of the most radical transformation of a place in San Francisco. And together, with you who are living and working here, we will make this island the best place to be in San Francisco. So with that, I'd like to start the meeting and um, we will announce the next agenda item. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Members of the public may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted to comply with city rules and maintain hearing decorum. We are offering interpretation for Spanish and Cantonese speakers. Please see the translators in the back for this service. And for public comment using interpretation, four minutes will be allowed. Directors shall refrain from entering into discussions with speakers during public comment. If members of the public wish to receive a response from TIDA staff, please email tida at sfgov.org and a TIDA staff member will follow up. Any members of the public who wish to speak on this item, please line up now. Okay. Go ahead. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Jeff Klein. You probably know me. Uh, I've been a resident on Treasure Island for 23 years. Uh, thank you for hearing my comment, which is about uh, Tida's improper towing policies. Although the uh, sublease, sub, John Stewart sublease, requires the villages to manage parking areas for the benefit of residents, the actual towing policies of Tida and their agents, Admiral Security, are at times harmful to the residents and they don't conform to the policies of the MTA. The vehicle code allows towing in a number of specific circumstances, but towing policies of the MTA allow only four reasonable grounds for towing. I've talked to several residents who feel that they were improperly towed and read posts on next door with similar complaints. It appears some of these residents were towed from streets where there was no red curb or any no parking signs. Signs posted in front of the housing units claim authority to tow under vehicle code section 22658 and name Golden Gate Tow as the towing company, who, by the way, have an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. Subsection B requires that the tow truck operator immediately give written notice to the registered and legal owner of the vehicle of the fact of removal, grounds for removal, and the place to which the vehicle has been removed. Since residents' vehicles must display permits 
issued by Admiral Security who have the address and phone number of the owner, they can contact the owner before the vehicle is towed. But apparently this rarely happens. However, I was contacted by Admiral Security once who threatened to tow my car for not displaying my disabled placard while parked in a handicapped spot. But this is not considered reasonable grounds for towing under the Municipal Transportation Agency, the MTA. TIDA hired Admiral Security, who rely on TIDA's proprietary authority to tow vehicles on Treasure Island. So I ask that TIDA conform their tow policies to those of the MTA and instruct Admiral Security to adhere to the vehicle code and not do poverty tows. Thank you. Hello, my name is Barkley Sanders, and uh, since I moved here five years ago, I've experienced 127 power outages, um, but this community has experienced 481 power outages in the last 25 years. Basically means every two weeks there's a power outage, and there has been for 25 years. And uh, in 2017, um, the Board of Supervisors, the general manager of the SFPUC, declared an emergency to replace two generators because they were past their youthful life. Uh, and the grid here has been past its youthful life for about 60 to 70 years, extremely old. Um, and I'm on the SFPUC CAC, um, which basically oversees all of District 6. Um, but we cannot compel TIDA to do anything. Um, the Board of Supervisors, only under really emergency powers, can compel TIDA to give reliable electricity to the community. Um, so basically, I'm asking for TIDA to declare an emergency and work with the mayor to declare an emergency and work with the board of supervisors to declare an emergency because I think like we're providing to the new condos that are up on Yerba Bueno, which is uh, we're providing them reliable electricity. And I think for the community that's been here for 25 years, that part of your uh, board gets financed by from the rents should have some of that reinvested back in their current community because not only on the local level is there funding that you could ask for under emergency levels, um, one example is the Stern Grove. There was a pipe that burst and they declared an emergency as the SFPUC and the board and they allotted, um, I think it was around like 200, uh, I'm sorry, I don't think it was 200. It was, uh, it was millions of dollars. I forget the exact figure right now. But I know it's possible we're able to provide reliable electricity for the rest of the city because currently right now, the current community that's been here for 25 years experiences power outages at four times the rate of the rest of the city. And another example is PG&E, um, once, uh, thank, thank you, oh, 30 seconds? Oh. Thank you. Oh, sorry, I'm just doing one thing at the two minute mark. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jeremy Carpenter and I live uh, in a unit on the island. Um, and uh, I have, uh, communicated with Bob Beck about um, various issues that I have here. One of them is the roads and the condition of the roads, and I've read the agreement between the city and, and TIDA, which makes a sharing compact between the two for road repairs, and I've asked about when will they be making repairs. I think it's probably damaging to buses and vehicles. Not think I can, I feel it when I'm on the bus. Uh, so it's not good for the city or for private car owners. 
Um, I've also asked um, Bob about um, the um, bidding process for the Lennar Corporation who was uh, brought in to develop the island. Uh, and I have not had a response from him or anyone else that was in the email thread. Um, I'd like to know uh, 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 the process by which Lennar Corporation was selected to develop the island. Uh, and I, um, I am an attorney and I do work in landlord-tenant law and I am capable of submitting FOIA requests, but I'd rather not. Um, I'd rather just have a response from the people who are managing this project and those who uh, uh, hold themselves out as representatives of TIDA uh, instead. So if I could uh, find what I would like to find in a civil manner, you know, through uh, the uh, ordinary means of just email, that would be best. Um, but um, but I, I, I will submit uh, FOIA requests if I have to. Um, but the roads are really bad, and um, you know, uh, I also am curious about the uh, time frame for development because I've heard construction workers at uh, the coffee shops say that they're not breaking any new ground um, because the housing market in San Francisco is collapsing, uh, and they don't want to put um, you know units on the market uh, at a bad time. Uh, so that makes me wonder how much time do I actually have? Thank you very much. Hello, my name is James. Uh, simple question. Um, first off, I'm, I'm actually very pleased with, uh, I, I guess I'm an optimistic person. I enjoy the island as it was before there was any development, but I also enjoy the development that's currently going on. I think it's wonderful. Uh, my only concern is that with all this development that's going on, is there any economic viability from the v development? Can it collapse? And what does a collapse of the development that's going on do to the people on the island if that ever does happen? Um, yeah, it's just simple. You know, you guys going to succeed. If you succeed, do we succeed? Thank you. very long. Hello. I have one question. Bob Beck, are you on the naughty list? Are you on the nice list? <laughs> it's about accessibility and um, not just the paved streets and the potholes, but about the accessible curbs and about the walkways and curbs that go off where people do fall. I have sort of a circle of friends that we watch over each other and unfortunately we've been watching over each other fall literally some head first some sideways some with injuries very recently and it's kind of all over so the point I'm trying to make is that we're excited about the promise that things are going to be accessible going forward and we're going to be using some of the old pathways to get to church or to get to the store or whatever, um, as well, that need to currently and going forward be um, accessible and smoothed over, if you will. And the loop, um, if somebody could go around on the loop, if that's your jurisdiction, I don't know of this portion, but it, I think it all affects 
it goes together, um, to where people enter and exit from the loop and to, um, to delve deeper into the surveys with both the people that operate the loop as well as passengers, um, including maybe taking people around that are going with us in a walker, a wheelchair, using a cane or different mobility or a mom with a stroller or a dad or whatever, um, or people whose who's maybe mobility issues you don't see or visibility or you know partially sighted or blind, that sort of thing. If there are things that you can do to improve what we're currently living with and going forward, it would be really appreciated, but it's, it's really important and needed. Thank you. Naughty list or nice, just saying. <laughs> Hey there, Ben, uh, resident. Um, just wanted to know if there's any update on the tolls to Treasure Island. Um, haven't heard anything about that in a while. Um, and that's something that would be a major, major impact on our uh, lives here on the island. Uh, hello, my name is Carlos Heredia. You know, I, at some point I, I asked about the entrance to the, to the bridge, and I was told, well, I didn't know at the time that there was another entrance on the, through Macala Road, and now I've been using it. My thing with it is that the road is way too narrow for two vehicles. Every time when, you know, when, when you're encountering the bus or one of those big trucks, it's like, which, there's, not, there's not enough space, no shoulder to move out of the way. So basically, I want to ask you guys if it's possible before any more buildings go up on that area to re, you know, revise that part. And because to me, it doesn't, it's really dangerous. It's really, really dangerous, especially when it's raining or when the visibility is not clear. And I don't want to be one of those people that ends up on the, you know, crashed or whatever. So please, please review that part. Thank you. Okay. Then um, uh, I think we can go um, to the next item. Um. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Thank you, Sierra Tsen. Uh, and welcome, uh, residents, to the, to the uh, meeting today. As Director Tsen mentioned, uh, this has been a, a very full year. Uh, uh, a year ago, uh, traffic coming to the island was still using the Avenue of the Palms, and it was in January that we opened Seven Seas, and in February uh, opened the Maceo May Apartments. And there's been continual, continual progress throughout the balance of the year. Um, next year, there will be more progress with more roadways opening on Treasure Island, uh, additional roadways, uh, the Yerba Buena Road Loop on, on Yerba Buena Island at the top of the hill, uh, new parks, and by the end of the year, uh, three new residential buildings on Treasure Island. So uh, there's a lot of change ahead uh, coming for us. Um, I wanted to begin my remarks today by inviting Shiante uh, Lewis, our our host as the director for the, the gymnasium to come up and say a few words about the programs of the YMCA. 
Hello there, happy to be here, happy to host. Um, this is some updates on both sides. We have on our facility side, we've expanded our hours. Up until a week ago, we were only open Tuesday through Friday from 10.30 to 6 and Saturdays 9.30 to 2. Uh, but due to some changes that we were able to make for staffing, we are now open Monday through Friday. So we opened an additional day and we've opened 30 minutes earlier and stayed open an hour later. So we're now open from 10 to 7. Um, this has been impactful for the facility. We've seen more members come in and people are appreciating the expansion on the earlier side and on the evening side. Um, we've continued to make upgrades to the facility on both sides of the building, specifically on this side. We painted the walls, we changed the lights, and we started to make changes on the outside of the building. So we put lights around the facility and we are in conversation of getting lights in, along the pathway as well as up, um, updating the lines in the parking lot to maximize the space. So that's some things that are happening on that side. Um, inside of the facility on this side, we have a very successful Tuesday night yoga class from six to seven. It's been our longest instructor and her class is growing with each class. So that's been beneficial. Um, if you haven't already checked her out, you should please come check her out. The space is great and, and she's a, a good instructor. Uh, we are also in the process of hiring or looking to hire a yoga instructor for Saturdays. Um, we did hear the community, they want yoga opportunities twice a week, um, along with some other fitness classes. So we're in the process of trying to figure out hiring, how to make that work. Uh, so if you know anybody who likes to teach group exercise class, send them our way. And then lastly, for the facility side, we partner with this um, organization called Veggie for Vouchers and um, HS HSA. And with working with HSA over Thanksgiving break, we were provided 40 turkeys to give out to the community. So that was helpful for some families. Along with, we have a committed partnership with um, Veggie for Vouchers throughout the end of June, 2024. Uh, and so in this partnership, we received vouchers for up to $240 for 200 families and then that's on the island, and then we can do 120 for 40 units in Health Right 360. So that's a total of about $52,000 in vouchers that goes out to the Treasure Island community. It is first come, first serve, so I do encourage people to sign up for our number, but that is an opportunity that we get um, to hand out to the community every, every three months. And then on the youth side, we are fully staffed with our staffing um, over there, and that's also due to partnership with Life Learning. So we work with Life Learning. We hire some of their kids as they are phasing out to get opportunity for workforce development. So that has been a good partnership. And then um, things that are happening within the building is we're going to offer two weeks of winter camp from December 26th to January 5th. That excludes New Year's Day. We currently have 61 youth registered for um, our two-week camp, and those are all island youth. Um, it's a free program for all island residents. Um, it includes breakfast, lunch, and snack. We take the youth off island for various locations, um, parks, museums, movies, all different type of things uh, of that nature. And it's like I said again, it's free. So if you know anybody who's looking for care during winter camp, I mean winter break, send, us, send them our way. And then um, and some things that are coming up in 2024, we will be, I mean, yeah, 2024, we'll be hosting, um, we'll be bringing back our swim program. So that's where we get kids on the island that they are interested in learning how to swim or better their swimming skills. We take them down to Embarcadero location where they um, work with certified instructors to learn, to learn that. Uh, and then in order to support the people coming to our fitness classes, we're going to do a thing called Child Watch so that if you come to work out and you don't have any type of child care, the youth can go in the back area and utilize the rooms to be able to make sure the kids are being safely watched and engaged while people are working out over here. 
And then uh, the last thing we have coming up is we have two events that we're about to participate in. One of the partner, one of the events is a partnership with One Treasure Island, and we'll be hosting um, a, a um, island-wide holiday gift giveaway where families can come get a couple gifts per household. Um, and we are also got, getting some warm items donated. Uh, well, not donated, but like purchased, and will be um, per grabs. That'll be on Tuesday, December nineteenth. And then this Saturday, we're taking 40 youth to an off-site event where they can go have a holiday winter party and then come back home with some gifts. Um, that's everything we got going on from last month to this month. And if you do not know how to get information with us, we have flyers on this table over here to where you can sign up to get um, notifications about the things that are happening or come stop by and talk to us at any time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shanta. Wonderful things this month. Yeah. Great. And I'd like to invite Nella Goncalves to uh, say a few words about the uh, programs of One Treasure Island. Good evening, directors. Nella Goncalves with One Treasure Island. Lots going on uh, this month, and so I'll share a little bit with you. Uh, we are gearing up to give out supplemental food at our weekly food pantry through the month of December. And we are also gearing up to operate the tax season. So if you make $65,000 or less a year, come by to the ship shape across the parking lot, get your taxes done for free. We do back taxes as well, help you set up savings accounts. So we hope to see many of the residents there. Also, we... Um, the island-wide community meeting is December 20th. It will be back on Zoom and it will be recorded, so we hope to have island residents come out to the meeting as well. On uh, December 19th, we will have, as Shante mentioned, the island-wide holiday party, and so there will be giveaways of turkeys. I hate having my back to you all, so I'm gonna kinda go like this so I can see everybody. But we'll be giving away turkeys and ham. Um, at the food pantry. We'll also have a toy drive here, as Shiante mentioned, and then we will have holiday bingo um, at the Ship Shape, and we have some fabulous prizes. Um, I, I won't share them. You gotta come to see, but they're awesome, awesome prizes. Our partner, PCL, uh, gave us a large amount of money, and we were able to buy some really nice prizes. So somebody might get a TV, that's all I'm saying about that there. And then we're distributing gift cards out to residents. If you need some extra support during the holidays, please call the resource line. We have $50 Target cards and we also give out uh, food bags and other supplies as well. And, and we're really excited, January, uh, in January 6th and January 13th, we'll be hosting NERT the first on-island NERT uh, in many, many years here. Um, I believe that there are over 50 people that are registered, um, so we're very excited. It'll be held over at the Fire Department Training School. Um, it is free, and so if you haven't registered, we encourage you to register for NERT. And last but not least, One Treasure Island will be closed December 25th through January uh, first, we'll be back on track uh, January 2nd. We wish you all happy holidays and look forward to working with you in the new year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We, we also have a, a new uh, commercial tenant on the island, Bay Padel, uh, who had a table in the back this evening. And I'd like to invite uh, Mateus Gandolfo to say a few words about 
their their operations and and the sports that they host. Hi, good evening, everyone. And uh, first of all, I want to say that it's great to meet all of you. I'm new to the island, and I'm happy to be here uh, to talk about our business. We just opened a month ago a, a padel club. Uh, we have six padel courts. Padel is the fastest growing sport in the world, for those that don't know. And it's a mix of tennis with squash. Um, but we also have four pickable courts. We have ping, ping pong tables, a great lounge, a co-working space. Um, and we are committed to help the community and invite everybody to our club and uh, definitely do uh, work with you to have you be the club of your, of your neighborhood and, and hopefully, uh, you know, work together with businesses as well to, to partner and uh, build this community together. Um, but yeah, uh, we are in hangar number two. We are open. Uh, from Monday to Friday from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. and on weekends from 8 a.m. to uh, 9 p.m. Uh, welcome and great to meet you, everyone. Thank you. Also, this past month on November 30th, the Life Learning Academy uh, held a, a special event um, at the um, Skyline Events venue. Uh, celebrating 25 years of operation here on the island. Uh, just the past few weeks, uh, we've worked, completed uh, removal of base rock that was on a portion of 9th Street um, and removed the K rail, widening the street, and we're in the process of restriping that between 7Cs and Avenue H. Uh, the, the rock that was removed from that street has been moved over uh, to regrade areas between 4th and 8th Street and M and N. Um, the change in, in landmarks along 9th Street has resulted in some complications for the autonomous shuttle vehicles, and we're working with the, AS, AS, the SFCTA and, and, Tim, and the Loop uh, vendor operator to adapt to those changes. Um, in uh, this coming year, uh, the Treasure at Fest, which uh, some folks may know as the Treasure Island Flea Market, will be returning uh, to Treasure Island beginning in February. Uh, and it'll be held Saturdays and Sundays in the last week of uh, each month beginning on February 24th. Um, we've completed the interview process uh, for a new uh, natural areas management RFP um, and our working uh, to finalize contract terms with the top-ranked firm Habitat Potential. Uh, and we expect to bring uh, a contract to the title board in January so that the contractor can begin work uh, on some uh, projects on your Wynn Island that are, are specific to the, the winter season. Um, we continue to work with the Office of Public Financing uh, to issue bonds uh, under the Infrastructure Revitalization and Financing District and Community Facilities District. Uh, an investor tour was held last Friday, um, and uh, we expect the, the sale of the bonds to close tomorrow with interest rates uh, at around 6% and uh, 
proceeds of about $22 million, uh, which will go back into uh, reimbursing the developer for work previously done and uh, go back into funding additional infrastructure work. Uh, the Department of Toxic Substance Control has issued draft land use controls uh, for property that's being transferred from the Coast Guard to TIDA uh, in association with the Hillcrest and East Bay Ramps projects. Uh, the, the finalization of these land use controls should allow us to take title to the property within the first quarter of 2024. Um, as we look forward to 2024, uh, we are planning a, a large number of outreach events uh, uh, for island residents, particularly around housing opportunities, and we'll talk a little bit about more about those in the, uh, the first presentation on the regular agenda, uh, but also on January 20th, um, Titus staff, along with uh, staff from the Treasure Island Mobility Management Agency, One Treasure Island, um, will be uh, working with Supervisor Dorsey's office to uh, host in a, a drop-in uh, poster board session and community meeting from 11 to 2 on, on that Saturday, um, and we'll have flyers coming out to, to residents soon on that. Um, but that concludes my report for this evening. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to open it up to the directors for any questions or comments that you might have. Uh, and if there's none, will um, are there comments from the public? on the director's report. Okay. Um, I do got a question. Okay, go ahead. Um, as far as the accessibility that was the issues that were being spoken about, can we put on the agenda or will there be a part of the presentation today is how it's being addressed during construction and the coming improvements? Um, we can uh, put together, include that on a future update. Yeah. And, yeah. I, 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 I would sure. say that there were some topics that have came up during the, um, um, the general public comment. It's not on the agenda, so we can't talk about it, but we are cognizant of some of these issues. We also share some of the same concerns. We will um, ask the staff um, to, in the next meetings, to give us reports on the power outages, um, on the, um, there's going to be much discussion on the time frame for development. This is not a two or three year project, as you know. This is a 20, 30, several decades um, project. Um, the, and, and of course, the economic viability of the development does um, depend on economics and financial cycles. But accessibility, uh, tolling, and also McCullough Road, which has not been completed. It is going to be widening, but um, we would like to have reports on all of that Thank as well. Yeah. Okay, so then next item, please, Kate. Item number four, communications from and received by TIDA. Are there any comments or questions about co uh, communications that were in your board packet? No. So hearing none, um, next item. Item number five, ongoing business by board of directors. 
Um, and these are the items that we were talking about um, that we would like to have staff come back and give us um, some more information on those items. Um, next item, please. Item number six, consent agenda. 6A, approving the minutes of the November 8th, 2023 meeting. 6B, resolution approving the Treasure Island Development Authority Board of Directors regular meeting schedule for 2024. 6C, request authorization for Treasure Island Director to enter into a maintenance agreement between TIDA and State of California, acting by and through the Department of Transportation for the retaining wall improvements on State's right-of-way above a portion of State Route 80 above Yerba Buena Island for Hillcrest widening project on Yerba Buena Island. 6D, resolution authorizing the Treasure Island Director to enter into agreement number one to the memorandum of agreement number 20, 2114 between TIDA and the SFCTA for project management and oversight, engineering, and environmental services for the Hillcrest Road widening project on Yerba Buena Island. Okay. So moved. All right. Um, it's, it's been moved, and is there a second? Second. Okay. And there's no items that the board would like to consider separately from the consent agenda? So um, we'll take, do we need to take public comment on the consent agenda? Yes. So if there's any questions or comments on, from the on this item from the public and hearing none, um, we will then take, is it a roll call or by affirmation? We're now not on Zoom, so we can do it by um, affirmation. So all those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you. Next item, please. Item number seven, upcoming parks and open space overview. Okay, and who's making the presentation um, here on site? P Peter Somerville from Titus Staff will Good. introduce uh, CMG to do the bulk of the Good. presentation. Great, thank you. Hello, Peter. Good evening, directors. Uh, Peter Somerville with Titus Staff, quickly here. Uh, Happy to introduce Will Benj with CMG Landscape Architects, who will walk us through a quick presentation of the previous year of deliveries in the park system and what's online under construction and uh, coming online in the next calendar year. So uh, turn it over to Will. Hello, welcome Hello. Will. For uh, those you. of you who don't know, Will's the project manager for Treasure Island with that um, very a well-known and respected landscape architecture firm, CMG. So welcome. Thank you, Pei, and, and thank you, Peter. And, and yes, to echo Peter, I will be giving kind of a high-level overview of what um, we are, have been doing over the past year on, in the parks and open space system uh, development and construction, and also kind of a look ahead um, towards 2024 and what we're going to be building and constructing over that period. Uh, before I get in, into the presentation, I did just want to say that, you, you know, us at CMG, we've been, we've been working on this project for over 20 years, and the, the parks and open space system is such a crucial and critical part of, of this project and the public realm of, of the island, and we're super excited to be starting to see that become a physical reality and, and start to build a lot of those parks and open space um, areas that have been a part of that vision for such a long time. So. I feel like we're at such a really a pivotal moment in the development and you know a lot of exciting things uh, ahead for the community and for the island itself. So with that, so I'm gonna go through, um, again, kind of a high level overview of the parks um, in, the, in phase one. 
we have eight parks we're going to go through. There are uh, three parks on YBI and five park spaces on TI uh, in various levels of, of development and construction and completion. So the first one is uh, the Rocks Dark Park on YBI, which was completed last year and has been opened just recently. Uh, it is a small dog park, but also for people, and uh, has these wonderful views uh, over the whole bay. Uh, it's defined by these rock features that, have, that were used uh, from the rocks excavated from the island. Um, it's, it's, it's a small park to start here, but I think it's a really good example of, of the quality and character and, and, and kind of the overarching um, quality of, of park and open space we're intending to implement and install over the next few years um, throughout the islands, throughout both islands. Okay, the next one is the beach access at Clipper Cove Beach. Um, I would say this, uh, you know, this park space was completed as a part of the TI uh, Streets uh, project, um, the improvements on the causeway landscape. And I would say this park space is really just about access to the beach. It's, it has an accessible path going down to the beach um, with a little beach deck at the bottom with some seating areas. And it's, it's really about providing this, this amazing moment of access and, and a, a space for people to sit and, and really enjoy that space and the view over, over the cove and over the beach. Um, this one was completed again uh, just recently uh, this past year and it's open to, to the public uh, today. The next park, uh, this is Causeway Park. Uh, this was designed by AECOM Landscape Architects. Uh, the construction has been completed and we're anticipating acceptance and opening in early 2024. Uh, this is a park just to the south of the ferry terminal. It's got a, a big stormwater treatment component to it, so there's a, a large stormwater garden uh, with a lot of native plant species growing in it. Um, so that's kind of the main component, and it's, it's really an amazing kind of feature to, to show this, this big infrastructural moment uh, to the public as a part of this uh, important park space. It also includes several uh, paths along the waterfront, uh, which allow people to, to get out to the edge of the waterfront, get those big uh, skyline views, uh, many seating moments and opportunities, and it's, it's, it's a park that kind of leads into this uh, greater uh, plaza space uh, to the north of it uh, in front of the ferry terminal. The next one is Hilltop Park. Uh, we have uh, finished construction on the top of Hilltop Park. This one was designed by Hood Design Studio. Uh, we're anticipating acceptance and opening in uh, early 2024 as well. Uh, this, again, you know, being on YBI, you know, being so high up above the bay has, has these amazing 360 views all across the bay on, on all sides, the skyline, the Golden Gate Bridge, the East Bay Hills, and, you know, I think it, its role in the overall uh, parks and open space system is really as, as this kind of uh, big destination, this, this kind of crown jewel on top of YBI to provide a, a, a destination for visitors and residents alike to, to go up and take in those views on, on those big days of the year, you know, July 4th and New Year's, but also all throughout the year as, as, um, as, as the seasons allow. Uh, the next park is Waterfront Plaza. Uh, construction is ongoing and is expected to be completed in early 2024 uh, with ex acceptance happening in uh, quarter two of, of 2024, hopefully short after that. Uh, 
And I would say this park's character is really, uh, you know, the front door of, of the whole island. It's, it's, it's where you come off of the ferry terminal. It's, it's where we really have our interface with the rest of the city. Um, so it's, it's really going to be a hub, a, a, a transit hub. That's where a, a lot of the bus uh, stops, a lot of the bike infrastructure, as, where, as, as well as the ferry terminal. Um, so this is a, a very important space, I think, in the whole um, park system and, and how it's our, our, our interface with the rest of the city and um, that uh, commute across the bay. Okay, so the next one is uh, City Side Park. Uh, this uh, construction just started in uh, November, uh, just recently. We just kicked off, and we're anticipating around 14 to 15 months of construction, uh, hoping to complete um, in early 2025, uh, with acceptance happening uh, shortly after in quarter two of 2025. Um, this is uh, probably one of the parks I'm most excited about. It's, 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 it's phase one of, of the waterfront park that's going to span the, the whole uh, western waterfront of the island. Uh, it includes a lot of uh, wonderful amenities. It's about uh, seven acres in total. It, it includes a large event space, a, a lawn in the central um, part of the park, and then uh, two plazas to the north and south of the park. The north one is going to have a lot of barbecue and picnic spaces, and on the south one, it's, it's going in to include uh, an event space for um, smaller events like food trucks and um, seating areas um, and all of that um, kind of integrated within the park there. Uh, this park also includes a stormwater treatment component, which is well integrated into the park around the lawn space and also to the east of the lawn. Um, and then a, a really interesting coastal garden built into the west side of a, a central promenade that's going to really set up this um, kind of larger pr promenade move around the whole uh, perimeter of the island. Uh, the promenade is, is going to be pretty generously uh, sized uh, to include bikes and uh, pedestrian infrastructure as well. The next park is Clipper Cove Park. Uh, this is just at the top of the causeway, kind of at the transition point from YBI to TI um, at the existing Quarters 10 site. Um, this park is really intended to be that interface between Clipper Cove Beach and uh, the Cordes 10 site um, up on the bluff there. Uh, there's a, a small lawn space uh, surrounded by a, a picnic area just above it, as well as a patio space that's going to uh, be that interface between the Cordes 10 building and, and the program um, internal to it and, and the rest of the park space. Uh, this one is currently in the city permitting process, and uh, we're hoping to uh, start construction sometime in 2024. The last park we're going to talk about is co the uh, Cultural Park, uh, which is really focused around the existing chapel space. Um, this park, I think, is really exciting in that it's, it's really going to be a, a community-focused park, and, and that's really focused, again, around the chapel space, and, and, and that being a, a, an existing building that can be renovated to to hold a variety of community events um, from all scales, all, all shapes and sizes, and uh, really be a place to be a hub uh, for those events. It, it, and the park surrounding it is really intended to kind of serve that, that same function. It's, it's got a, a generously sized lawn uh, that can be flexible for all, all types of diff different events and functions, and then a grove of trees that um, surrounds it, uh, providing both kind of a windbreak and also a, a sense of of kind of uh, framing an enclosure to the lawn space. And that concludes our, our presentation for the phase one parks of, over the next year. Again, 
quite excited uh, to go into this next phase of, of construction. Uh, we've been building streets and infrastructure for years now, which is, has been enjoyable, but the, all of these parks are really going to be the, I think, the flesh of, of the bones of the infrastructure we built. And so it's an exciting moment for, I think, for all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Will. Um, we'll take comments from the directors and then we'll open it up to the public. But I, I'd like to say that one of the benefits of doing the development on Treasure Island is really we get affordable housing and we get open space and parks. And 300 acres of the 500 acres that is Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island is going to be preserved as parks and open space. And you are just seeing some of the parks that we have been busy designing. Um, we've got an incredible, um, widely known um, uh, landscape architecture team and several, several landscape architects. In fact, one of the gardens that was shown, the Hilltop Park, which is, as you said, the crown jewel on Yoba Buena Island, is being designed by Walter Hood who is an African-American landscape architect, um, well-known, he's like a rock star in the landscape architecture field. Um, so we have a diversity of designers who are working on the island, creating these world-class parks for us, for, for us on the, on the island, as well as for the city, as well as for the region, and we hope also that some of the artwork that will come here will also be internationally uh, known as well. Um, so the, the other thing I'd like to say is that the design has really been about sustainability. And many of the parks have stormwater features in it. Uh, what does that mean? It means that it's infrastructure. It is a way to gather the stormwater and let it drain naturally through the gardens so that the water, when it's released into the bay, is naturally clean. And that's the purpose of those stormwater gardens. Um, you see it at the, um, at the um, end of McCullough Road. There's another one on the east side. Um, there's several stormwater gardens that are going to be created for Treasure Island as well. But there is this concern about how to take care of the um, stormwater drainage and that it's clean before it goes into the bay. The other thing is that it is planted by native plants that before construction began, we actually collected seeds and collected the specimens. And during this last five, 10 years, we've been cultivating those seeds and those plants in our native nursery. And we have been um, using those plants to replant um, those stormwater gardens and other places so that we have the native plants that were here on Yerba Buena Island, they are being replanted in these gardens that we're creating. So it is a very, um, very um, ecological system. Um, and I think we're at the cutting edge of doing this type of work um, in the country. Um, both for the stormwater drainage as well as the native plantings. And that was also in cooperation with our nonprofit um, partner, SEDGE, which employs youth, trains them on how to grow um, plants, and, and so it's, it's wonderful economically as well. So I wanted to thank CMG for a lot of the work that they've done, the guidance that they've shown us, um, and I'd like to open it up to other board members, 
Yes, Linda, go ahead. Well, thank you again, um, CMG. And I just wanted to kind of echo what you just heard from the president of the commission. There is no other project of this kind in North America, in fact, in the world. So those of you that are in the audience, and I know that we need to do more to talk about the merits, about the technology, and about the sustainable nature of the development of Treasure Island and Yaba Buena Island. People would appreciate the kind of work that we are doing here, that this project, if you look at the ratio of open space and, and parks, you will not find that in many projects. And what we've done, we've hired the best in the world. At CMG, you can look them up and the kind of work that they do. And you should all know that our projects are on the radar. They are Stanford University, you name them, throughout the nation are looking at this project here. And the highest standard, the plat the leads, platinum, you know, projects are rated from low, medium to the highest. That's what we have here. So every decision that we are making here, that the staff is making, that the commissioners are making, and our partners is to showcase what this project is, a model. And we're not just out here just putting bricks and here. No, that's not what this project is all about. And we have to, I know we're very modest, but when you hear about the milestones today, and because we are excited, people are really working very hard. So uh, in a nutshell, it's just to, again, um, thank all our partners and for you all, uh, it works in progress. Just every time you come to Treasure Island, you see something different. And so we are doing that, and so it's your community. And we're working with you there, and you have investments in all that. We're all partners in this. Thank you. So any other comments from board members? Yes, go ahead, Nabia. Thank you for the presentation. I'm very excited for these parks coming online soon for the community to be able to experience. My question is really, I think, towards Bob. Can you remind me of the plan for the maintenance and the overall larger budget um, and when that'll come online? Uh, thank you, Director uh, Azim. Um, in the long term, the community facilities district uh, that has been formed over Treasure Island is intended to uh, fund uh, the ongoing operation and maintenance of the parks in perpetuity. Uh, in the early years of development, uh, the developers required to make a, a, a payment to TIDA to help fund uh, the park's operations and maintenance costs. Yeah, and, and I would say um, that the board is very concerned about making sure that the operations, the maintenance, and the management of these parks is continued and, and is well-funded. There's nothing that is worse than having new parks, but then not maintaining them. Um, so that is something that we're very concerned about, and we are um, looking at the best ways that we might be able to do that. Okay, so then um, we'll open it to the public for any comments or questions. Okay, if you please, you have to come up.
and this is on this item, which is the parks uh, report that we just had. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Tida Board. Linda, you have a beautiful sparkly blouse on. It's really pretty. Anyway, um, my name is Carol Harvey. I'm an investigator, and I've been working on Treasure Island since 2014. Um, and Tida Board, I'm dress addressing today the wisdom of creating a park over toxic soil at the side of the island facing the Golden Gate Bridge Alcatraz, Angel Island, Berkeley, and Oakland. On Tuesday, August 8, 2023, during the Navy's presentation on the status of the toxic cleanup of Treasure Island at the Restoration Advisory Board, Dave Clark, Navy Lead Remedial Project Manager, said, and I quote, we, the Navy cleanup team, have yet to select remedies for Site 12, the housing area. In addition, he said, we have not selected the remedy for the emergent contaminant PFAS, per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. PFAS were found at Site 6, the area close to the wastewater treatment plant. PFAS are an ingredient in Teflon in non-stick pans. PFAS ended up in, near the wastewater treatment plant in the 1950s when sailors set and put out fires with firefighting foam at the Navy's firefighting school. PFAS are known as forever chemicals because they are extremely persistent in the environment and the human body. Contact with PFAS in the soil and groundwater can damage the human immune system and the liver, cause cancer, thyroid disease, obesity, and fertility issues. Clark testified that PFAS, the chemical, was designed to stay around for a long time. Now we have to reverse Thank you very much you. for your comment. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Yeah, your time is up. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. No, please. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. A little quick comment from the interpreters. If you're speaking, if you can please speak a little slower, speak to the microphone, especially the public comment. And if you're reading something from your phone or something already written, it's pretty difficult for us to keep up and interpret all of that. And I think in order to give language justice, people should speak a little slower so everybody will hear what is being said. Thank you. And Thank so you. that's Thank just you. a reminder to speak into the microphones and not away from the microphones. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Hello? You, Barkley? Excuse me. We have a meeting in progress. Yes, you can come up. Um, so I loved all the upgrades you guys were doing with the community through the parks. I think it's important, obviously, that we have parks here. But I also, again, think it's important that we have reliable electricity. Like basically in SF, we talk about basically being in with like a mile or less to a park is very important. But um, like we were talking about with the issue of bonds being capped at around $30 million, 
supposed to be used to better the community with utilities, with parks, and things like that. So I think it would kind of make sense to use those bonds to get a report done that has never been done in 25 years to see the actual cost, like pay for an actual study to be done. So that way we know the exact cost of the upgrades. Because even if people say no, and we, we can't find the money, I think we should at least make a report, probably like we did for all the parks. We figured out how much it would cost to upgrade those parks um, and how much it would cost to maintain those parks. I think we should do the same thing for the grid because it's, again, uh, extremely important to have reliable electricity um, because um, like during COVID, uh, we weren't allowed to go to parks, we weren't allowed to go outside. Um, and I think that relates also to the grid again, because even when we were under an emergency for the whole United States, locked everything down and forced everyone to stay in their homes, uh, this community over those like year or two, depending on how you see it, uh, had to experience 38 outages. So kids couldn't go to school. Um, other um, businesses were getting broken into. Um, so it's like a basic necessity of the government, not only for the current residents, but the ones that are gonna be here long-term. Um, and I just think overall, we need to take the issue more seriously for the current residents. Just please do a study, actually produce one that gives us an idea of how much, how many power poles we have to replace, how much maintenance needs to be done on a regular basis. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jeff Klein again. Uh, it was a great presentation. I'm very impressed by the parks, especially the uh, Hilltop Park on Yerba Buena Island, which I understand has a monument to the Port Chicago tragedy where several hundred black uh, workers and, and military personnel were blown up in a munitions accident during World War II. I'd love to go see it. Is there, there used to be a a shuttle that was near Merced, down the parking lot by Merced, that used to go up to Yerba Buena Island regularly, um, every few hours, or maybe an hour, um, but it stopped a few years ago. The loop doesn't seem to go anywhere. There's no bus stop on Yerba Buena for the Muni. Is there parking up at those, those uh, parks? Because I, I would love to go there, and, and, and I have a problem with mobility. I have a disabled Packard. I'm not going to be able to get up and down that hill. That's a big climb, and there's people who have more problems than me. They're not going to be able to go there at all. There's no way. So I'm just you know, wondering about accessibility. It's wonderful to build these public amenities like parks, but are they accessible? How are we going to access them? Thank you. So, yeah, it's, the, the park isn't open yet, but certainly accessibility has been one of the biggest issues that we have been looking at and designing for, but um, that, that's to come later. Yes, go ahead. Hello, my name is Carlos Ferreira again. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to seem ungrateful because I do appreciate how beautiful the island looks compared to what it was before. Uh, now the only thing that I, I guess I have, yes, I want to ask, 
while you are while you're still if you're still designing or even if you already finished designing please review it, review the part that uh, we need parking you know the buildings are probably a lot of, I haven't seen them, but they look like a lot of people like them. Probably I will too. My thing is that where are we going to park? So if you find space somewhere before you're done with the building, please leave some space for parking. And even, you know, because if, if a vehicle breaks down, even on the, as you are, moving through the, the new street right now that goes behind the buildings, the street gets closed. Even right now while the construction is going on, you know, it's very difficult to go in and out, so please leave some space for parking. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Board of Directors and uh, Bob. Uh, my name is Atta Pilram. I'm the long-term resident of Treasure Island and used to be on YBI. Uh, I'm one of the admirers of the new beach and new development. It's a fantastic place. I take my uh, grandkids there uh, regularly as much as I can. However, there's a couple of issues that I'd like to bring to your attention. One of them is there's not really that much of the garbage bins. And I noticed that quite a bit of people that now they're coming to the islands and they're anchoring there. Uh, there's a quarter bit of the garbage that starts to pile up. And the second part is there's not really any kind of bathroom facilities for the kids and also for the parents. And uh, there used to be a bathroom on, just on the top of the place. But we need to have something closer to the beach so the kids could actually use it. Uh, I noticed that the beach is becoming more and more dirty for the last few months. It's because the people come over there, they use it and they enjoy it, but there's no trash bins or someplace to get rid of them. So you may want to bring your attention to that part as well so we keep the beach as clean as possible so we all could use it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that to our attention and um, yes, to let staff know as well. And there are restroom facilities coming as part of the waterfront plaza, so we are cognizant of that. Um, but you mentioned the beach access and that's a very good example of the accessibility. That whole ramp that goes down was built so that it could also be used for people who need wheelchair accessibility. So that's, an ex that's a good example of um, what we've been designing for. Okay, um, hearing no other comments on this item, we'll go to the next item, please. Item number eight, Star Viewport Transitional Housing Update. Thank you, directors. Um, well, Excuse me, you, you have to wait for your turn. Thank you. Yes, go, go ahead, Bob. Uh, we'll, we'll have three presenters on this item. Um, Evelyn, uh, Evelyn Perdomo with Mercy Housing will lead off and talk about the, the design and the progress on the construction, as well as the schedule for the tra transition notices for Catholic Charities residents. Um, Karen Edelman will speak about uh, the communications with Villages residents, and Lorraine Lee from Titus staff will give an update on uh, 
additional buildings that are in the design process for uh, both uh, Health Right 360 programs as well as uh, Homerise residents. So, turn it over to Evelyn. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Welcome. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Evelyn Perdomo with Mercy Housing and the project manager for this project, Starview Court. Um, happy to, to be here and give you guys an update on where we are. Um, first, a little bit about Mercy Housing and Catholic Charities. Um, Mercy and Catholic Charities are, are partnering on this project. Uh, Mercy is a national nonprofit um, dedicated to providing affordable housing uh, for all low and moderate income um, populations. Uh, Mercy handles all aspects of the affordable housing process from project financing to housing, de housing development, community outreach, property management, as well as resident services. Um, Mercy is one of the founding members of One Treasure Island and Starry Court will be the fourth affordable housing project that Mercy and, and Catholic Charities have done together. Um, Catholic Charities is a you know, wonderful organization that provides residents uh, with that provides resident services and supports families as well as aging adults, adults with disabilities, and youth um, through human services and opportunities for healthy growth and development. Uh, they provide a, a wide range of services, which include transportation services, immigration services, homelessness and housing, uh, children and youth services. Um, and they have also operated supportive housing on the island since 1999. Uh, they are also a founding member of One Treasure Island. Uh, Starby Court is currently under construction and it will be the second authority development on Treasure Island. It is 138 units with a mix of one, two, three, and four bedroom apartments. Uh, we started construction in, in May 2022 and we are on track to be done in June 2024. The project is located at 78 Johnson Street, which is um, at the corner of Seven Seas and Johnson Street. Um, here are some photos that show construction progress. Uh, it's hard to see because of the scaffolding, but um, they're currently painting the exterior, um, the interior. They've been installing cabinets and appliances, flooring. Um, it's been moving along pretty well. Uh, now on to who the building will serve. There are 71 apartments uh, for families currently living on the island that are receiving services from Catholic Charities. Uh, their rent will be calculated the same way that it currently is. And Catholic Charities will remain uh, the main service provider for these units. There are also 23 apartments for legacy households uh, that live in a unit at the villages. Uh, their rent will also be calculated the same way it is now per unit size. And there are no income restrictions for these 23 units. There are an additional 43 units for households earning uh, between 50 to 60% AMI. These will be available through San Francisco's Dahlia Lottery and legacy invested residents will have a preference for these units through Dahlia. Uh, for staffing, um, Mercy will provide property management and resident services 
uh, for property management. We will have an on-site um, property manager. Um, we have already hired our senior property manager as well as our assistant our property manager. Uh, resident services, we will have uh, one full-time resident services coordinator that will provide services to all residents. Um, some examples of the services we provide include referrals to community services, uh, housing stability support, after-school homework programs, um, job search counseling, uh, health education, uh, benefits acquisition, um, food pantries, and some of these services will also be provided uh, in conjunction with Island Partners. Um, and as I mentioned, Catholic Charities will remain as a service provider for the uh, Catholic Charities residents, and they will provide supportive services and case management for them. Um, some of the design features on the exterior, um, we have the you know, main lobby and entry are located in the middle of Johnson Street, um, and our site is you know, across from a future park. The building consists of two wings that are connected by bridges. The Seven Seas wing is six stories, and the shared public way wing is four stories. Uh, we also have storefront with glazing uh, that provides a lot of natural daylight into the youth activities room, which is located um, on the corner of Seven Seas and Johnson Street. We also have units on the ground floor um, along the shared public way and Seven Seas that have stoops um, that provide an additional entrance to those units. Um, now some of the interior design features, um, with some renderings of how they uh, will look like. Uh, we have on-site bike parking for 138 spaces. Uh, we have an at-grade garage with limited parking spaces. Um, some of the community, ser community serving uses we have are a community room with kitchen uh, pictured there at the top, um, as well as a laundry room on the second floor that is uh, next to the community room and also um, very close to the outdoor courtyard. Uh, the laundry room will have um, 14 sets of washers and dryers. Uh, we'll also have a lounge area that overlooks um, the future public park across from us. Um, for the schedule, uh, we're currently 80% complete. Uh, we are on track to be uh, complete with construction in June 2024. Uh, we anticipate that the Dahlia Lottery will be quarter one, 2024, um, likely either February or March. And um, with, com with construction being done in June, we anticipate that the earliest move-in date will be in July. Um, and now some information specific to Catholic Charities households. Um, you know, at minimum, we are required to provide 120-day and 60-day um, notices. Um, we plan to provide more than that. We would also provide 90-day and 30-day notices to those residents. Um, with the first notice, the 120-day one likely going out around March. Um, and then on, on household and unit alignment, um, if any residents need to be right-sized into a smaller or larger unit, uh, they will receive a notice from Catholic Charities and Mercy Housing. Um, we expect to send those by January 31st. And the move window, um, you know, we expect to open in July and, you know, 
go through August, possibly um, a little longer if needed. And you can contact me here um, if you have any questions. I have you know, informational flyers in the back with more information on our website, how to email us. It's also listed uh, here on the slide. Um, we are you know, happy to answer any questions residents have. And um, as I mentioned, we have our, our, some of our property managers on board that are, have already begun to speak with, with many residents. Um, and that concludes my presentation. I will pass it on to uh, Karen, Edelman, Karen Edelman of ARWS. Let, let me just um, say, um, Evelyn, before Karen comes up, um, that it is a beautiful project that is being built here. Mercy Housing is well known in the region, one of the most experienced nonprofit housing developers in the Bay Area. Um, and we're so um, actually thrilled that you're working with us on Treasure Island. And Paulette Taggart, who's the architect, has won numerous awards. She does not only affordable housing, she does luxury housing as well. And obviously her sensibilities has come, you know, in her design of this project. It looks, you know, terrific. And um, we're very excited. This is the first family housing um, that will come to Treasure Island and it has been long awaited. The first, the Maceo May was for, um, for, for basically um, formerly homeless veterans, and it's fitting that that first project was for um, a place where it used to be the Navy. But we've been waiting for this project because it's the first one that will actually provide housing for families. And um, we're delighted that it's being completed. It's going to serve both um, uh, affordable units for lower income as well as for market rate, and it's a great great um, project. We're looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Good evening, directors. Thank you for allowing me to present to you tonight. My name is Karen Edelman. I am a Treasure Island advisor, and our role is to work with the community on the island and help them understand their future housing opportunities. Um, I won't spend too much time on Starview Court description since we just had that great presentation from Evelyn, but um, we're really excited to engage the residents at the villages to help them understand the housing opportunities that are coming up. Um, and any resident um, living on the island has an opportunity to volunteer for Starview Court apartments. Their um, opportunities differ and the timing differs and we encourage everyone to contact their TI advisors if they have more questions. We're happy to go into greater detail. Um, this slide helps us understand a little bit about the Dahlia process. So most residents of the island can apply for Starview Court affordable units through MOHCD's Dahlia program. We have information at the back to help direct people to sign up and register for Dahlia. We are going to be providing um, preliminary marketing information to villages residents to help them understand when they can apply specifically for Starview Court. Um, persons who are legacy residents have a first priority for those affordable units. People who are vested residents have a second priority for those units. 
and others on the island have an opportunity to um, register with a preference for District 6. So again, we are happy to help anyone on the island who's interested in learning more about Dahlia. This is a timeline that I know Evelyn just went over, but we want to explain it in terms of the legacy uh, residents in particular and the, and the vested residents. We've extended our volunteer period um, for people to come forward if they're legacy residents for units at Starview Court, both transition units and affordable. Um, so that's extended through the end of this year. Then we are going to begin um, issuing um, letters and move notices to legacy residents who are matched for legacy units at Starview Court in early January. And we'll be having personal meetings with them and helping them understand um, the housing opportunities that are available to them. Then, um, as Evelyn mentioned, there will be a lottery uh, for Starview Court affordable units. And we anticipate that that's going to be um, February, March of this year. And then there will be a lease-up period where people who win the lottery or volunteered can sit down with Starview Court team and learn more. And then um, we're hoping that people can move into those units in early July. So what we really want to get out to everyone is now is the time to meet with their TI advisor and understand about their future housing opportunities on the island. We're happy to meet with them. Wanted to kind of give you a little more breakdown on that schedule. So again, um, we're going to be matching uh, legacy households in the order of the legacy household ranking um, to units at Starview Court, the legacy uh, transition units. We'll be having individual meetings. Uh, those who have uh, units at, the, at Starview Court will be able to select their units. We'll give a second move notice. Um, and then we'll have households, um, will be, will begin to vacate their uh, units at the villages. So at this point, I want to hand it over to Lorraine Lee with, uh, with Tida, who can provide additional information about uh, future housing opportunities in the island. Thank you, Karen. Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the Board of Directors, Lorraine Lee, Authority Staff. I will be briefing you on the overview of housing developments on Authority lots. This map that you currently see is all, it reflects all the housing development under phase one. We are going to be focusing on the parcels colored in green, uh, which are the Authority lots. Uh, Maceo May, managed by Swords to Plowshares and co-developed with Chinatown CDC, Parcel 1, achieved TCO in February 2023 and is now fully occupied. The adjacent building, Starview Court, Parcel 2, will be managed by Mercy Housing with services provided by Catholic Charities and is expected to open summer of 2024. Okay. Parcel 10. Uh, will be a new behavioral health building developed by Department of Public Health, DPH. This building will provide approximately 170 beds to accommodate HealthRight 360's current Treasure Island programs and approximately 70 additional beds for other programs ma managed by DPH's partners. This project is currently in the design phase as pre-development funding was approved in spring 2023. 
Mercy Housing will act as developer, managing design and construction on behalf of DPH and in consultation with HealthRight 360. Okay. Uh, parcel 9, known as E1.2, is the future senior housing. There will be approximately 110 units, including some transition units for legacy villages households. E1.2 has received pre-development funding approval from the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, MOHCD, and design is ex expected to commence in 2024. Mercy Housing will be the developer, owner, service provider, and manager for this project. Parcels 11 and 12, known as IC 4.3, E2.3, and E2.4, will include replacement homes for all home-rise households. Parcel 11, IC 4.3, will total approximately 150 homes, of which 60 will accommodate current home-rise households and 30 transition units for legacy villages households. Additionally, this building will also include a child care center. IC 4.3 has received pre-development funding approval from MOHCD, and a development team has been selected. This development and development team will be presented to the board early next year. Parcel 12, E2.3 and E2.4, will have approximately 155 homes and will accommodate remaining home-rise households and approximately 30 transition units for legacy villages households. This project is anticipated to begin pre-development in 2025. In partnership with HomeRise, One Treasure Island, and Tida, HomeRise residents are invited to an informational session on February 1st, 2024, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and February 3rd, 2024, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the ShipShape uh, to receive additional information. Flyers will be coming soon. With that, I will ask Karen to come back and conclude the presentation. As a TI advisor, uh, we've been engaging many of the households on the island, and we've had a lot of conversations about um, two wonderful opportunities coming up. One is Isle House, and one is Hawkins. They're both market rate developments, and they will have inclusionary units in those developments. So Isle House will have 24 inclusionary units, and the Hawkins will have nine inclusionary units. So we're encouraging people to apply via Dahlia for these uh, when the time comes and learn more about their opportunities for affordable housing in these beautiful new buildings. So the lottery for um, Isle House is going to be in the summer of 2024 and the lottery for Hawkins is going to be toward the end of this year, uh, sorry, 2024. We also have um, some exciting opportunities for residents who are interested in buying condominiums on the island. Uh, one of those opportunities is, is the Portico. It's going to be a 141 unit condominium, um, all for sale. And uh, seven of those units are available for below market rate purchase. So if any residents on the island are interested in learning about being a first time home buyer, they should contact their TI advisor and we'd like to direct them to um, the Mayor's Office of Housing and their support for first-time homebuyer education. It is a really a great opportunity. There will be studio one, and, uh, studio one, two, and three bedrooms available in that building. Um, 
Also just wanted to encourage everyone that the Treasure Island Advisors or the TI Advisors are here to meet individually with households to help them understand their housing opportunities and uh, how to move forward. So we really encourage everyone to contact us, uh, sit down and meet with us virtually, by phone, in person, and we can talk about the opportunities that are available. We have some coming events on the island to help um, engage the community. One, um, we're having a Starview Court information poster session coming soon, which will help people engage with us one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we've already had some of those, but we're going to have it again soon. Um, we're going to have informational poster sessions for HomeRise uh, residents. We'll have information on San Francisco Housing Authority uh, for Section 8 voucher holders. Uh, there's a lot of questions for residents that hold vouchers, and we want to be able to answer those in an expedient way. We're going to have Starview Court unit tours as soon as it's safe and available for us to go through those properties. Uh, we're going to have pre-marketing events for the inclusionary affordable units, meaning we want to get the word out. And so we're going to make that uh, information available to people, um, probably in a, an open house event where we can communicate with them. Um, we want to help residents register for Dahlia if they're finding that challenging. So we'll uh, make an opportunity uh, to do that with everyone. Uh, we're going to encourage some on-island first-time homebuyer workshops, and we're going to have continued one-on-one -on -one meetings with the Treasure Island Advisors. So my last shameless plug, please contact your TI advisor to learn more about future housing opportunities. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we'll open it up to the board for any questions or comments, and then we'll open it up for the public. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Evelyn, could you please uh, come forward? Absolutely, thank you for your presentation. We know, already know, that a lot of folks that are here, that Mercy Housing and Catholic Charities are well known. They've done a lot of work uh, for the city, and so it is not a coincidence that they are developing and managing uh, housing, affordable housing, in San Francisco, they are now doing that. But I would be remiss. I want to ask you a question. You know, there is something going on in San Francisco. Everywhere I go, I get asked. Is Mercy Housing, Catholic Charities, evicting uh, residents, which here we don't know? And it is important that we add this question because I know sometimes in 2024, that issue is going to be asked. What we are trying to do, the reason I'm asking these questions ahead of time, is to be able to rule out, I'm telling them, uh, us here, we are providing affordable housing. And we also wanted to make sure there is equity. Okay, okay. And we cannot tolerate any mistreatment of any residents, legacy, or that are on Treasure Island. Now, that is unacceptable because the history of San Francisco is a certain group of people, African Americans, were displaced. And so that will come, the city is committing a lot of resources at some point. Uh, because housing, it's, um, it's the high priority for everyone, especially us here. That's why we're providing all the resources to make sure that the residents can hear, can be participate. I just wanted to let you know that at some point, we might need to hold a hearing. And I just ask questions just for you to be able to tell us that Treasure Island is not involved in that. And so we can convey you know, that message, but I just want uh, to get here. 
the housing we are building is signature housing. It's great. There's no question about that. And uh, we can talk about that all day long. But who is going to be in there? Uh, that's the question. And are we going to be fair? So we want to be fair. So that's just I want to talk to you about. So thank you for your presentation. Thank you. Yes, Ms. Kerry. Thank you for the presentation. Couple of questions, Karen. I know that um, for the legacy household, okay, us here, uh, the legacy household, our priority for TIDA and the residents, and we wanna make sure that, um, again, you, your presentation, you mentioned all these coming events where your partnership with the San Francisco Housing Authority and you're gonna have the Mayor's Office of Housing, Community Development, all these agencies are here. When it comes to the dissemination, uh, is there any coordinated efforts? Because every single residence on the island will come to a point now that there must be a synergy. Everyone should be knowing who are these are because the residents on Treasure Island have different, um, you know, in the categories. However, we cannot, we have to be able to make sure that the housing providers, the consultants and everyone, when we have all these events, that we need to make sure that all the residents are getting information so they can be informed. Uh, we are getting into 2024 where we are going to know specifically who is holding preference certificate number and why not. We cannot, we've been doing this now for decades and we're gonna know what is the number, the universe. 2024 is gonna be about numbers because we've done all this stuff here and we are coordinating with everybody and so they need to know again what the timeline and when they need to be, we should not be having any meetings from now on when they're resident that say, no, we don't know what's going on. Uh, we haven't been, no, that time is not going to be. So the reason we are having this meeting here and we are speaking loudly is that TIDA has committed a lot of resources. Yes, millions of dollars to make sure that every resident here is well equipped. And we are gonna have to show the city and us that we are really getting that. So to the question of the upcoming events, are you coordinating who, is, who else beside uh, the consultant? Your, your group is also going to be uh, sending out these messages to any what forms are the residents are going to be here. There. And lastly, again, preference certificate number by now. Is everybody holding that certificate? Do they know where they are? They're standing on this, uh, Housing. Um, so let me start with that yes, question. You. So uh, every legacy invested resident on the island um, should already have their Treasure Island resident preference number. It's a TIR number. We found many people have misplaced that letter and um, don't know what that number is, but we've tried to remind them they should contact us. We'll give it to them um, and they will need it at the point where they apply um, via Dahlia specifically for affordable housing. So they don't necessarily have to have it in hand today. They will need to have it next spring 
if they're applying for affordable housing. So we're there to support that. Um, one of the ways we reach out to people is on the island is we do door hangers. And uh, we find that we know if it gets to a door that uh, island, the island community has that information. Um, we also have letters hand delivered when we're trying to reach out to people um, with island security. They, they do a great job of making sure those documents get out. If anyone's given us their email address, we send email information reminders. If they've given us phone numbers, the TI advisors are reaching out. Um, if people leave messages, we're getting back to them. We set up meetings um, to have communication. We find a lot is happening via word of mouth. So we'll talk to residents who say, you just talked to my neighbor, I wanna talk to you too. Um, we find that's pretty helpful. Um, in the past we've done, um, I don't know what they're called, those big banner standalone posters. The really big ones that stand alone. We've done those um, in the island market um, and said, you know, tell us, if you, do you want to know more about affordable housing? Here's how you learn more. Bob just spoke with me again today and said, we need more of those. We need to get those out so that where people walk in our community that they see more of those and they know how to reach us. So um, we're also updating the website uh, for more access. And um, I'm sure I forgot a few, few ways. I do want to mention that um, Nella has been very generous to say any information that we want to include in her outreach. Her team has an amazing outreach uh, via texting, also her newsletter, and she offered to let us uh, make that even more vocal, so we're going to be taking more advantage of that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, yes, the Chandra, go ahead. Okay, so you just mentioned that every resident should have their TIR number? Yes. Is that every resident on the island or every resident who resides with the villages? Every um, legacy resident living in the villages, every vested resident in the villages, they're entitled to a Treasure Island resident number, and so they all have that. So my point is, you said every resident, while every resident is not a village's resident. True. So I think that's a lot of the problem, and I just want to piggyback off Linda on how we outreach about this. Who are you partnering with? Are you partnering with the actual property managers and the services that serve these properties as it applies. Villages doesn't have these, as far as I know, they usually go through the community, one TI, ship shape. But as far as the other properties, they're very late in getting the information because their property is not being developed. And for the residents who are with the villages and coming from to the informationals, I feel like the door hangers, the flyers, that's really outdated as of now. Things are moving ahead. As I'm reading this, my own property manager, we're getting into, we're getting into our development. It's only a year away. That's not a lot of time. I think you need to be more aggressive. It would behoove you to take advantage of the text messaging systems on the island as they apply to 1TI and YMCA because those are the two entities that most residents use. Um, we get these reports regularly. I see the numbers regularly. I feel like some of this information is just reorganized. So I really want to press that you act, talk to the actual property managers 
and not just one TI. They do have great outreach, but they're specific to what they do. As Home Rise is specific to what they do, health right, Catholic charities. And it would make me feel more assured as a resident to actually see you at my community meeting, to see you walking in YMCA when I'm walking in picking up my son, to see you at the pantry. I just want to put that out there because it's windy. We're in wintertime, so a lot of those door hangers are going to go flying off the door, you know. And a lot of people are going to forget without constant reminder because you, if you know like I know, you live on the island, you got between traffic and everything in life, you've got a lot going on. So I just want to press that you get, you know, one-on-one -on -one with the actual property managers and service providers and how we get this information out as we approach these upcoming events. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Yes, Nathia. I echo what my board members say on being proactive and reaching out to existing community members at organizations that are working on the island. And also, if on your team there could be residents doing the outreach as well, I think hiring within the island always goes a long way. And maybe there are some, and we can talk about that after. I know in other areas in San Francisco and a lot of neighborhood developments, they hire folks from the neighborhood to help do outreach. And the other thing I wanted to ask was on the, um, the volunteer residents for the, I think it was 23 transitional units. Do Correct. you have an update on how many families have volunteered? So we have um, 15 so far that have volunteered. Uh, more than that, but some have dropped off. So we have 15 that have volunteered. 10 of those have already received um, a preliminary award notice for a specific unit at Starview Court. Um, five more are somewhere in that process um, to move them along to getting a preliminary award notice, and we hope to do that very soon with them. And we're continuing to get calls every day. Um, I got more information today about more households that want to volunteer. Great. And if that's, that's great to hear. And if we could, because I think you come to every one of these meetings, if in your report you can have that updated number as well as the numbers on the door the door knocking or whatever your outreach how many families you've contacted and the response rate that would be very helpful yeah, okay. we also provide um, more detail in the board report because um, it's a lot of data but um, that's also available on the board report to help you understand like the door hangers that we put out um, and we continue to work out i know that uh, bob and team have met with home rise and that we regularly meet with Catholic Charities groups. So we'll continue to just up our game, right? Thank you. So. Okay, and, and let's just be cl um, clear. Um, I just want you to clarify. Um, the Dahlia Lottery, uh, the Dahlia Lottery, which is through the Mayor's Office of Housing, there's thousands of people on that list. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Well, I don't and, know that for sure, but Treasure I Treasure Island and Treasure Island res, um, residents who are vested and who have their number get priority over those thousands of people in San Francisco who want a unit on Treasure Island. Correct. Right. But does so, that apply um, to I, I think that um, it's so important to get the information out there to Treasure Island residents because here's your opportunity to get a family unit. How, you know, it's going to be many years as we get new housing built. It's going to take a lot of time. But this is a project which is being finished now. Um, 
whether there's other opportunities, it's going to be a long time coming. Um, the other thing I want to clarify, and this is for you or Bob, is that you're reaching out to people who are in the villages, right? Correct. The Catholic charities and home rides, they have their clientele and the people who they are serving right now. Catholic charities and um, home rides will be actually be the contact organization for those people because they're building their own developments. Uh, am I stating it correctly? Correct. So, mm -hmm. so your purview actually is just for the people who are in the villages. Is that right? That's our, the scope of our work, yes. Right. Okay. I just wanted to clarify so that there's no confusion. They're not working on the Catholic Charities development or the Home Rise development. Um, that is being done by those developers. So then mm -hmm. I would want to get some clarification on the information that all developments is, are being given, that they're on the same page, that they apply accordingly, because as I'm hearing it, when it comes to the Dialyst, only the villagers will receive the preference when it comes to Treasure Island, or is it all islanders? So uh, legacy residents have priority one, vested residents have priority two. Everybody else um, has a district six preference. Say so everyone else has, has what? a district six preference. So district six residents who apply for Dahlia have a preference over people applying from other areas and districts of the city. And I believe that is going to be an issue. Yes. Definitely. That's what we did you want to? I'm not sure where to go from there. I would like love to be updated on when the mayor's office of housing is going to be here because it stands to reason that you have vested in legacy residents who have outgrown their lease. You have people who moved here when they were children and who are able to apply for their own housing now, which would be the perfect opportunity with the Dahlia list, but there is a whole two, maybe even three properties that probably total to about over 300 people who will be cut out from that list. And I'm trying to see the reasoning. Now, I understand that these plans were put in effect way before I got on the board. And I see the reasoning because I want to see all the residents on the island keep their housing. But at the same time, it seems as this the whole construction of it is unfair. And you're counting on the fact that the people who have the vested and the legacy residents who have supportive housing, it's, it seems like it's taken for granted that they're gonna continue on. There's no advancement, there's no change, there's no accessibility as it is specifically for the villagers. Now, many of us who have been here as long as I have, know how the Dalulists go. And with this one, two, three preferences ahead of us, I mean two preferences, right? And then it comes down to how you organize the preferences when you get to it. We're in the same league with everybody else in San Francisco, but we've been here for the last 20 something, 25 years. So I get it, I'll sit on this side of the table. But when I'm sitting on that side of the table, it sounds, complicated, too complicated, which is why it takes me back to 
I would appreciate an aggressive stance in how we outreach, an aggressive stance on how the information is given to the providers and how it applies. So we can be specific. So my people, because I'm an Islander too, have the opportunity to do what they have to do. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So we can make moves according to our, based on our families, our jobs, and how we see our future out here. Because for some people is, you know, the vision is being narrowed down to, you know, it's either or. And I'm pretty sure that's not what we're trying to give here. So I just wanna make sure that we kinda get on that. And it's things that I brought up before. So, and it's things to be discussed with the property managers also, but I really feel like somewhere the mayor's office of housing community and development needs to address that particular issue because there's a whole population everybody knows i'm for the, the youth and the young adults out here it's a whole population of people who will not be moving forward or they will be moving off the island it, just on that karen can you clarify that district six preference it's not the preference is not for those on the island it's for all for of district six district. And so I, I agree, I think we should definitely have the Mayor's Office of Housing at the next meeting because I know there's been preferences in other areas in the neighborhood in San Francisco and there is some legality to it and we need to be able to tell the residents why this is happening and see if there's any way we can change this. Yeah, if I agree. legally we can even. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, and I just wanted to, to say that we, we, as Lorraine mentioned, we are working on a meeting for home rise residents uh, with Titus staff and Home Rise for February 1st and February 3rd, and uh, we'll try and uh, include Mayor's Office of Housing in that meeting as well. That'd be okay. great. That'd Thank be you. Good. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Okay, so any other questions from the board? If not, um, we'll open it up to the public. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. It's always nice to have you here. Byron Kaufman, resident of Treasure Island, former resident of Yerba Buena Island. Hi, Bob. Why are you going to, I live on Gateview, why are you going to evict my neighborhood and turn it into a park? Why do you know when that's gonna happen? You did not bring that information today. You've concealed it from all of us. Why? The last day I was on Yerba Buena, my neighbors came, asked me to go down and check on one of theirs, one of my friends. She was sitting next to a tree, cross-legged. Her pants were wet, and so was her forehead, because there was a nine millimeter in her left hand. She chose to kill herself that last day we lived on Yerba Buena. That was on her, but her life is on you, because you disrupted that neighborhood, and guess what? Nothing has happened there. Nothing has happened there. And now you're going to evict my neighborhood. One of the San Francisco residents being evicted twice to turn our homes into a park. So ask yourself if the board supports your decision and if you're doing the right thing. And next time you have a meeting here, bring information that's helpful for us and don't conceal it. Thank you. I don't know if that could have been said better. I've been on the island for over a decade, and um, you know, I've been 
victim to abuse, neglect, and I know nobody on this board or TI or anybody has done, and when it's brought to attention, silence. You guys, like he said, you're, you're turning our homes into a park. You're forcing us to leave our community. I'm here, I'm parent counsel on Treasure Island. I do a lot for the community and the kids. And you know, I'm leaving, I, I have no choice, I have to leave. I'm losing my whole community, my children are losing their community, their support system, and we still don't know where we're going. And I started to think for 10 seconds when the lady was talking about the Dahlia list and all that, I don't have no preference, I don't have no right. I, I came into this program because I was formerly homeless, because I was T-boned in an accident and left permanently disabled. And it's supposed to be a program out here that helps people move on and get better. And all it does is leave you stuck. I'm tired of being ignored. I'm tired of being overlooked, as well as my children, my friends my community, which is my family, and you guys are gonna hear about it. Everybody's gonna hear about it. You guys are just leaving us out here, turning our homes into parks and doing nothing about it. You got people over here stressed out, sick, medications just to sleep. For what? For a park, for an open air park. I haven't even heard about a playground gonna be here. Just an open air park, let's go fly a kite. Man, I hope you guys get it together. We need information, we need help, we need support. The villages are the only people getting anything. Everybody else, we're gonna be in a homeless encampment mm. out here in the city, freezing. Thank you. I'm very sad to hear you. Uh, pero mi pregunta but, but my es, question is, porque ya estamos en esta situación, because we are now in this situation, no hay otra verdad, there's nos, nothing else, nos ponen en esta situación, es, in, mi pregunta es, you have placed us on this ya hablaron de, de los edificios, cómo van a quedar, you have spoken about the buildings, how they're going to look, Ya escuché a, a las personas que tienen disabilidad que las banquetas y todo el área no es suficiente para ellos para, para, para caminar. Uh -huh. Ya escuché a la señora hablar de las aguas negras. Espero que estén viendo eso, que tengamos agua potable buena para todos, porque tener pues, para todos es muy importante. Escuché también a la señora que está preocupada de que se va a quedar sin hogar. Me da tristeza escuchar. Y también quiero escuchar, porque eso sí no he escuchado nada, es acerca de dónde vamos a poner nuestros coches si no tenemos parking dentro de los edificios. Me imagino que tienen planeado un lugar I imagine that you have a place coches. where we're going to be able to place our Pero cars. Qué tri triste es hablar. Yo de que voy, donde voy a poner mi coche cuando acabo de oír hablar a la señora que se va a quedar sin hogar. But es, it's very sad for me to be worried about where I'm going to be parking my car when somebody's going to be homeless. Gracias. This is very sad. Hello again. Um, James. Um, so, I've, if I understand correctly, it looks like 
um, we're going to have enough housing um, to support the number of people on this island that need transition. The issue, I suppose, comes with communication between one group and another group. Uh, and, I mean, you know, some of that communication, the barriers is obviously, you know, just reaching out everybody to everybody. You, you have uh, different languages. Communication can result uh, that doesn't get people so worried. I mean, people committing suicide because they're worried. Um, you know, maybe some of the communication that we need to do has to be simple for legal reasons. Uh, I hear this thing about different uh, sets, districts. Maybe one of the first steps is just letting people know, figuring out, okay, this person is for this district, or this person, this legacy person is going to be with this. And what that does is it allows for an organization, both legally and emotionally, for people to understand what they're going to have in the future. And it's a clear way of knowing. Um, and it's very simple, right? Well, that's it. Thank you very much, folks. Good evening, everyone. My name is Scott, and I'm a vested resident on Treasure Island since uh, August of 2019. Uh, very happy to live here and um, ad admiring of all the work everyone has done to make this Treasure Island a, a better place and Yerba Buena Island as well. I just want to bring up um, a fact that I lost a dog, a good companion of 14 years, to renal or kidney failure. And I want to bring up that over by Gateway, excuse me, Gateview Avenue, 13th Street, dead ends into the EPA site 12, radiological. And part of that fence, um, animals have been able to push their way through where some of the fence comes together and maybe isn't secured at the bottom. I saw my dog rip himself off of its collar. I had him on a leash to chase a skunk through that opening. So that means that cats and dogs and other animals can get back in there. So if a small dog could get through there, possibly a child or a toddler could get through that area. And I'm not sure who to address this to, but somebody might want to look into just having that cinched up and really secure going forward for the future generations and, and other people and pets who live here because they're close to us and if they're carrying radiological sort of energy and we're holding the dog then we're getting a dose of whatever is on them and thank you thank you thank, thank you, you. Hello, my name is Katherine Fitzgerald. I'm a Treasure Island resident. I live on North Point Drive, and um, I would like to ask if anyone has a figure of how many residents there are who will fall through the cracks who are not going to qualify for any of the new units that are being, the relocation options that are being offered. 
I'm sorry. Um, this is a time for you to make a comment, but we can't engage. It's the rules of the city. It's not our rules, but we have to follow them. Yeah. My comment is that I request that that be addressed at the next meeting. Okay. okay. All Thank right. You. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and again, I just wanted to address the power outage issue here. I'm just going to stress it like I have been for the last five years. I just think we need to, again, create a report, do a full inspection of the above ground and below ground infrastructure. Barkley. And get a dollar Barkley. amount. We, we've heard you, um, but actually your comment has to pertain to this agenda item. Which one was it? Which is about the housing, the transitional housing. So if you have a comment about the agenda item, you can do that. Um, but otherwise, um, you, you've made your point, but it has to be on this agenda item, and we're talking about housing. The transitional Is this housing transitional right housing going to yeah, have access to the new grid in the development area? Mm -hmm. um, because if so, then that's, that's going to be good, so it can have the same reliability as uh, the other condos that are up on Nuevo Bueno. Understood. Thank you. Okay. Jeff Klein. Um, first, uh, I'm hearing uh, what is a potential tragedy unfolding for so many people who are in the footprint over on the west side who are not going to be offered replacement units. They're not entitled to it, whatever. There are so many empty units on the east side. There's a four-bedroom across the street. There's a three-bedroom right next to me. It's been empty for years. There's another four-bedroom on the building down across the street. There's so many of these empty units. They're falling apart because there's nobody living in them. They could be generating rent. You could be moving people and giving them some interim option rather than telling them, give them a 90-day letter and saying, you've got to go off the island and don't, please, do not make anybody homeless. This is a major problem for San Francisco, and there's no reason to have to do this. And I think the deputy city attorney is still here, and maybe she's familiar with Garcia versus Anthony, 1989, which had to do with last resort housing. And that is the precedent. If you are post-acquisition, people arguing about acquisition, Post-acquisition, low income, you can't find replacement unit, comparable housing in the local market, which is pretty much everybody, you're entitled to last resort housing. Now, I want to know why we never hear about last resort housing. They did a last resort housing study for the subway project. Every project in San Francisco, all the, re all the, uh, uh, the HOPE projects of rehabilitation, they always do a last resort housing study. You you don't have to make people homeless, and it's, I think it's against federal law to do this. You know, Congress passed the Uniform Relocation Act in order to not make people homeless because of projects that receive federal financial assistance. So please, consider an option. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Um, okay. So, um, next item, please, since there's no item other Item number nine, fiscal year 24-25 budget planning update. And finance manager Jamie Carubin will give this update. Hi, Jamie. Good evening, board members. 
Oh, thank you. I'm just gonna pull up our slides. So good evening, Jamie Carubin, the finance manager for Treasure Island Development Authority. Um, number Item number nine is an informational item um, for the fiscal year 24-25 budget planning update. Um, in terms of a budget timeline, and I'll try to go through uh, this, this presentation as quickly as I can to address any questions, but um, today is the first of three items we will present to the TIDA board relating to the proposed fiscal year 25, 26, two-year budget proposal. Um, uh, today will be an introductory item on the planning um, in January, on January 10th, uh, we will present the first uh, presentation on the draft budget for fiscal year 25 and 26. Uh, we will bring back um, the final budget for final approval in the February TIDA board meeting, um, which gives us just enough time to refine uh, the budget with any final edits um, to submit to the city administrator's central budget and planning office in which then the city administrator packages Titus budget in addition to other departmental budgets um, in, in late February. And that enables the controller's office to publish the draft website in March um, in anticipation of the Board of Supervisors' final approval in June. Uh, just today, uh, the mayor's budget director released um, budget instructions to all departments. Um, um, for background, however, the mayor's budget director did request um, a mid-year um, budget reduction within fiscal year 23. Um, that amounted to approximately $75 million in the current um, year um, in savings and $35 million going forward. Uh, this was an effort to reduce any uh, budget reductions in the upcoming budget cycle. Um, the mayor's budget director informed departments today that the five-year financial plan was projecting a $1.3 billion deficit um, in the next five years. Uh, that will lead to the mayor's office uh, requesting general fund departments to reduce their budgets in the next two years. Um, Treasure Island Development Authority, which is not a general fund department, um, we are known as a non-general fund department, um, is being asked to balance within our own budget, and that's similar to prior years. Uh, looking back at the fiscal year 23 close, um, Treasure Island's budget um, did uh, did feel um, approximately $1.3 million in commercial leasing revenues to the good, so that was above budget. Um, we did experience about half a million dollars um, under budget on the residential side. Um, higher than budgeted commercial rent revenues was largely due to the fact that we conservatively budget. Um, we also had improved rent collections, and our real estate team has identified new lease opportunities, which has strengthened our commercial leasing revenues. Uh, lower than budget at residential revenues is largely, defer, uh, largely due to deferral of revenues um, in order to cover certain maintenance um, costs on the residential side. 
Um, on the expense budget, uh, the um, tied as operating expenditures were approximately $5.6 million below budget, so there were some savings there. Uh, that was largely due to a deferral of professional service contracts that we did not enter last fiscal year, as well as um, unfilled Titus staff positions. Um, in terms of the um, development-related costs um, that uh, TIDA uh, pays for in direct relationship to the development, um, which is reimbursed by our master developer, TICD. Uh, we invoiced about $5 million to TICD to cover direct development costs. Um, there was no budgetary deficit that was observed last year, so we did not seek any shortfall payments from the developer. Um, and that resulted in about $9.9 million, .9 million um, of below the adopted budget of what we had expected and told TICD in terms of developer reimbursements. As a reminder, the shortfall payment um, provision in our DDA um, does, uh, does state that to the extent that TIDA experiences a budgetary deficit, um, aside from development costs, uh, we uh, are obligated to seek uh, what we call a shortfall or authority cost payment from the developer. Um, in payments, in terms of payments to date, the first time this was ever triggered was in fiscal year 2020. Um, looking back at the most recent fiscal year, 23, uh, we did not experience budgetary deficit, so we did not invoice uh, the developer for any shortfall payments. And again, to reiterate, we invoiced about $4.9 million in reimbursable costs related to development. Um, in terms of where we are, the midpoint of fiscal year 24, uh, we're about halfway through. Um, commercial leasing revenues are tracking at or near budget. Residential leasing revenues are tracking under budget, are likely to remain below budget um, due to some anticipated expenses we see on the housing transition side. Um, commercial rent collections have improved as I previously discussed to pre-pandemic levels. Um, we anticipate uh, total expenditures for fiscal year 24 year end to be within budget. Uh, in terms of developer reimbursements from TICD, um, TICD will be responsible to cover all subsidies pursuant to our DDA. Um, in, in fiscal year 24's budget, that's about $20 million with 18 million of that tied directly to affordable housing development. Um, they will also be responsible for direct development costs. Um, even though that's budgeted about $11 million, we anticipate it to be somewhere to be between five to six million for this fiscal year. Um, similar uh, to the previous slide, um, if our authority expenses exceed the amount of revenues collected, we are um, we will uh, we will invoice TICD um, a authority cost or shortfall invoice to make our budget whole. In terms of budget planning for fiscal year 25, um, as I mentioned, um, uh, the mayor's budget instructions came out today. We are required uh, to balance within our own budget. Um, we are entering what we refer to as a department phase of budget planning. Uh, so we will start off uh, with a fiscal year 25 budget that was adopted um, last year as part of the two budget 
process. So we'll be looking at fiscal year 25 and fiscal year 26 as our upcoming two-year budget cycle. As a reminder, um, the last budget assumed about $49 million uh, for fiscal year 25. In terms of budget adjustments, um, we'll be looking at what revenue projections will look like in the next year, what other revenue uncertainty will there be. Um, on the expense side, what other budget growth and possible increases um, could we um, anticipate? Um, are there any uh, cost savings we can incorporate? Um, and particularly on the operating and TIDA authority cost budget side, we're hoping to balance within um, the revenues that we anticipate to receive next year. Um, as required, we will review the proposed budget with TACD. And then we will present um, the full budget back to the board in January and February, as well as consult with the city administrator's Office of Budget and Planning. That will then um, enable us to submit the budget to the mayor phase review ahead of the Board of Supervisors review and approval in June. In terms of areas of growth um, that we anticipate for the fiscal year 25 budget, uh, developer housing subsidies to support uh, future affordable housing development will likely increase. Um, we plan to incorporate maintenance costs for the newly completed parks, as well as uh, reflect certain costs related to transitional housing, um, the relocations of Starview Court, um, certain unit turnovers and interim moves, as well as securing and demolishing vacant buildings. Uh, we also have um, a few new staff um, that are joining TIDA um, as a part-time basis from the planning department in support of the equity program. Uh, the budget will also reflect any new contracts we anticipate entering into next year, particularly related to park planning and operation support, uh, possible task force management um, for the development services on the island, as well as environmental assessment and planning studies. Okay. That is all I have for you today. And help, um, happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, we will be seeing you again in January and February, those board meetings, and certainly we're going to go into more detail on um, the, the budget at those times before it's finished and presented to the mayor's office. But the good thing is that we are not reliant on the general fund. We are, in fact, um, relying on our own revenues and, um, and also the revenues that come from our partnership with uh, TICD. So, um, but thank you for letting us know what the roadmap is ahead for the budget process. Um, and we will certainly engage again in January. Thank you. Are Thank there you, any Jamie. Questions? No. Is there any public comment on this item? No. Okay. Hearing none. The next item. Item number ten: discussion of future agenda items by directors. Um, okay. And I think, Bob, that there are some issues that did come up um, in the course of the meeting today that it would be great to have um, some comments and, and answers. On. Yeah, I, I've been taking notes and I'll, I'll share my list okay, with you. Good, wonderful. With the board members. All right, and then? Item 11, to adjourn. Okay, well, adjourn. we will adjourn and everybody have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Thank you. Uh, with your families and your loved and ones. Thank you. Happy holidays, and everyone. Happy holidays, happy holidays yeah. and, and we,
we will be having another on island meeting uh, on April 10th will be our next on island meeting of the board uh, of course we'll have other open houses as I discussed mm -hmm.